0: It's that time of year again, and what better way to spend the summer months than in a place where you can play, learn, and grow. With plenty of activities to go around, we guarantee you'll have a fun and safe time here at Camp Crystal Lake, located in the Wessex County National Park. This is a Channel 7 news scene special report. At approximately 8.30 a.m., the officers arrive at Camp Crystal Lake.
1: ...identified as
0: Pamela Boyd, reportedly a former employee the of the bone, camp... ...reported. What you're about by to by see number. almost defies description, and some of you may not want to watch it.
1: Pending investigation, Camp Crystal Lake has been closed indefinitely.
0: Check. Check one, two. Hey, everyone. Kyle McLeod here, checking in on another glorious backcountry adventure. This week, we're going to be venturing through the Wessex County National Forest. I should mention, this hike is not for the weary, so I recommend only intermediate to advanced levels tackle this route.
1: Intermediate, maybe, advanced definitely.
0: So let me catch any new noobs out here. Something sweet happened. I found this old trail marker on the other side of the creek. Now, it's not marked in the guidebook, but I think it's worth checking out. Camp Crystal Lake. (laughs) Can't believe it. That story used to scare the hell out of me. I think someone was living here.
1: Episode 243 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast with you. You have like a resume and a half, bro. Um, I'm just going to say filmmaker, director, producer, writer, actor. I guess owner of and founder of Womp Stomp Films. Is that is that a correct
0: uh, fucking <laughs> description? All of those statements are true um, awesome. some a little bit looser than the others but I think you know director um, you know founder of womp stomp films and uh, sort of branched off everything from that and yeah filmmaker I mean there's actually another term I like to use that I learned uh, from a mentor of mine called film worker uh, not only do I you know make films I work on films too and, they, and there's a lot of people that go into making films I mean there's there's you know those cast lists. There's a reason why it takes three minutes, five minutes to get through those scroll at the end. Because a lot of people to do it. Those are all film workers as long as filmmakers. so I consider myself uh, a lot of both.
1: There you go, Vincent Desanti. Is that right too? Or Vin yeah. Or is it For- Vincenti? Because I see the. No, idiot. you got it. I'm you from Brooklyn, right? Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, and I'm part Italian. I grew up right. so I saw your name. I'm like, oh, is it just Benchetti DeSanti? That's awesome.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, Vince, I mean, come on, we're stateside, so it's not like people hey, are around using that. Vince, Vinny, you know. Hey, hey, I mean, hey, I'm Vinny, hey, from I'm from the East Coast, too, so, like, I'm, I'm a Massachusetts guy. Uh, so, Vinny was mostly what I grew up with, but Vincent, I started changing it to Vincent out here when every time I would go into Starbucks, I'd order a coffee, and I'd get my name, I'd get my cup back, and it would say Benny on it. And I'd be like, it's up? It's Vinny. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. yeah. So Vincent Vincent is a little bit easier I guess for uh, people. I guess there's not a lot of Vinny's out here so I just got to Right. Fit in. You're you're out you're out on the West Coast now? Yeah, I'm out here in LA. All right. How girl. long have you been out there for? Since about 2008, um moved out here with my best friend. Uh, just wanted to get a career in film and oddly enough my my biggest goal when I moved out was eventually I would work on a Friday the 13th film. I would, I don't know. I'd clean the toilets. I wouldn't care. Like I just wanted to be on the set. I wanted to see Jason walking around. I wanted to see the effects get pulled off. I want to see it all get built. I want to meet all the people. Um, but life took me on a very different journey.
1: Dude, well, I know you've, you haven't been on a, a set of an actual, you know, Friday the 13th film because of all the legal nonsense and all that shit. But listen, man. You've done some really cool shit. And I'll start off by, I'm always wary of the quote-unquote fan film. Always. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, it's like, uh, all right, a fan film, what is this going to be like? It's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible acting, this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. But when I discovered and watched Never hike alone. I was like, "All right, this guy knows what he's doing." Um I, I found it to be fucking brilliant. I, I love the because actually, before we record, we press record. You know, I was saying I'm, I'm a Friday the Thirteenth guy. A lot mm-hmm. of things. Obvious, obviously, you are as well. So mm-hmm. you, pro- you could, me and you could probably nerd out over every single installment of the franchise and pick out things that aren't right things that bother us Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of it there's a lot yeah but there's certain things like in never hike alone and never hike in the snow especially too that you never saw jason do like like first of all you've in the in the actual franchise you've never seen him in the snow
0: That's the whole reason why we made it. Yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. It's like,
1: all right, I never saw And obviously, it's Crystal Lake. It's supposed to be in Jersey. Everybody knows that who's a fan of the franchise. It's never snowing, it's never in the winter. What is he doing when it's not summertime? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Also, we all know about, you know, there's, 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 people dead with arrows and there's an archery range you never saw him pull back a fucking arrow and a bomb which i thought was fucking awesome you know what i mean like little stupid things i nerded out like that's fucking cool man like you've never seen that shit before and the look of and you were jason in never high cologne mm-hmm. um that's another pet peeve of mine because personally, my favorite in the regular franchise, personally, my favorite look of him. It, it might sound a little bit weird, but is the final chapter.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds about right. I mean, that's one of the the better looks I think that are that are done in the films. Yeah, um. I, and that's what I looked.
1: I looked at you in Never Hike Alone, and that's what I thought. I thought hmm. final chapter.
0: Yeah, it's definitely like the ghost Jason look has got an old school feel to it. Like it's got the new school look because Obviously, it's got the jacket. But without the damage. But yeah, and yeah, yeah. So, but we went with something that was sort of like Jason had to reinvent himself. I, you know, a lot of people ask like, where does Never Hike Alone sit in the franchise? And one of the things we're doing for our new release is sort of going in depth and talking about like, here's how I created this. Because like you said before, Friday the 13th is filled with a lot of plot holes, a lot of empty story, a lot of story plots that go nowhere. Um, and it's sort of fun to tie them together. And I personally, as a fan, feel like the the, the, the series took like a left turn at New Line and sort of kind of taking it in all these different directions. And they were really trying to figure out how to extend it. And I don't think they really got it. What I wanted was like a reset to like the original eight, like even though part you know, seven and eight sort of go off the rails a little bit too, as far as like introducing telekinesis or like the boat ride, a little was a bit, little far from, a little far, but bit. a lot of it, oh, but he back you. at them and said, like, if you could wash that away, because technically they all at least follow the same rules is that Jason is undead and that he comes from the lake and, you know, he gets woken up, he attacks, he gets put back down and he's put to sleep. And at the end of Manhattan, there was sort of no, like, Really putting him back to sleep because he couldn't be put to rest. He's not at the bottom of Crystal Lake. So there's like this entity that would have had to like drag his broken ass back to Camp Crystal Lake. That mask is destroyed, as we saw and left behind. The costume is completely left behind. So turns into imagine a, like,
1: turns into a
0: baby. Like it's so No, no, but like, I don't I don't I don't believe in that. I don't so believe into a baby. I, I think that that was a hallucination. I think that there was something that Rennie was seeing, but like the physical, like the physical monster that is Jason washed out to sea and had to, and had to kind of pick up the pieces back up at crystal Lake. And so there was a new costume that had to be built. There was a new mask that had to be found. So even though that mask has age to it, it's actually a mask that he's found at camp crystal Lake. And I wanted everything that he built to to be objects that if you said, what are the probabilities of him finding something that, at the camp and where are sections of the Friday the 13th timeline that would intercede with to say, like, yeah, the logic holds up. Like you could imagine that at some point during the line, where they tried to open up the camp three times, you know, once in 1963, another time in 1967, and again 1979, that at one of those times they could have brought winter equipment. There could be winter equipment there. So That's it, it would be a brand new mask. Sure. And and to go with the continuity that you know the final chapter mask was either taken into custody or kept by tommy jarvis whatever that part six mask was destroyed in part seven and that the part eight one was a one-off and got destroyed in part eight so the ghost hawk is its own original hawk that's why it doesn't grandfather in any of the previous damage because there was no previous damage this is a mask that's been sitting in storage for 30 years right. um and also i thought it was weird when part eight included the damage because it was like how did anybody know i know (laughs) I know. it's just so convenient you know what i mean so so there's that we came up with like another story too that would have been really nice maybe i'll write a short story one day or do something but like came up with this idea that like if you took a character like uh from part five the wandering homeless person that ends up in ethel's backyard to shovel the shit yeah imagine if there was a dude like a veteran that came back um, to Crystal Lake to look for a place to live. Ended up taking up residence in the camp while Jason was away in in Manhattan. And there were these weeks of emptiness that he was able to sort of take up residence and make a life for himself and work on this farm. But then one day Jason came back. And that was sort of like the birth of Ghost Jason about him reclaiming the camp and sort of doing it differently. And that's what Never Hike Alone is about. It's about a different Jason. It's about a Jason that's a little bit more mature and learned from the experiences that it that he had through you know, through the eighties and, you know, actually nineties, if you follow the timeline, sure. all the way up in 2000 of, like I said, like he would be sleeping, he would be awoken. He would kill as many people as he could. He would take excessive amounts of damage, go through excessive amount of pain and then be put back to rest and sort of being sick of that cycle and being like, if I can remain on on this plane, then at least I can keep myself protected and I can stay hidden and I can get my mother's head and I can go back to the way it was before I started attacking people in part two, which was hidden and secretive and you know stealthy and smart and being like, don't get caught, don't get caught, don't get caught. And so the films are sort of about like the disappear music video is about sort of Jason's understanding that he's stuck in this cycle for the rest of his life that he, for, for eternity he will continue to have to do this and he will get no fulfillment from it um never Hike in the snow is about what happens to people that wander off the beaten trail and, and go missing and how does jason sort of exist within this world and get away with what he gets away with so introducing tommy and rick and showing that like because they sort of can't get along and still sort of fight with each other their infighting causes jason to get away with murder literally All right literally um, and sets people up for, for failure, like with Mabry and then never hike alone is just about sort of like, again, like that, this oncoming onslaught of technology and curiosity that eventually like Jason's plan has worked up into now, but every now and then he's going to get found. It's getting more, more and more frequent. And that eventually someone's going to go into camp and they're going to get out. And so after all these years of him successfully hiding and killing people and getting away with it, that finally Kyle cloud is the one who gets away and Pretty much brings us in the next chapter of the story, which will be Never Hike Alone 2, Never Hike Again, which is sort of the culmination of what has happened to this later stage, Jason, and how he's, he and Tommy finally get together and, and settle things once and for all. Nice.
1: When is it? How, how far are you? Because I know, you know, <coughs> COVID fucked up everything and all that stuff. Yeah. So so I know because obviously it's, it's, you know, it's a quote unquote six part, you know, series and this and that um i I did it well we're on podcast time right now but i did an episode with tom matthews which was like a was like bucket list for me to do Mm -hmm. and uh and we spoke a little bit about it um not like what's happening now but you know obviously never hike alone and all that stuff and it was was awesome that you that you got him in that and
0: so good. But what? where are you right now as far as Never Hike Alone 2? So, I mean, the, what we had to do first was sort of finish Never Hike in the Snow because we owed a lot of Blu-rays around the world. And that was a lot of work to catch up through COVID. Um, yeah. And those delays sort of made me look at that plan of doing like, oh, we'll do all these like little episodes and kind of put them together. And like, I, got, I lost a year. I mean, I lost a year and more. You know what, what I mean? That? So it's sort of like... So I was supposed to be done with it by now. And now I'm sort of looking at it. Like I still have all that work left. Um, And so I decided to take the three final episodes, which are all sort of like expanded in a way where I went into, I was like, oh, you know, if we focus on these things, I could expand these moments and we can like kind of go into that and going back to like, what do I need to tell my story? And so now I've like put all the scripts back together and I'm going through and I'm cutting things out and I'm trying to figure out how I can do just one hour long episode that will encapsulate everything that's important. Um, drop out some cool things, but at the same time, like extra money that we don't need to spend and extra right. actors that we don't have to bring in an extra story that we don't have to like jam in there. Like Speaking mm-hmm. of
1: actors, I think it's fucking also awesome that you got Vinny, that you got old mm-hmm. fucking the other Vinny in there.
0: It's <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. yeah, so to have them both back is absolutely awesome. And then we also welcome back, um, You know, Andrew Lady is Kyle McLeod, and and Anna Campbell is Diana, Diana Hill, who was Mark's uh, mother in in never Hike in the snow. And so like the basis there, which is the ghost cut, which is the thing that we most recently released, um, which is the culmination of all those three films cut together with some bonus footage. um, It sort of sets up this. The showdown with that there's all these people that are affected by J- and Jason in different ways, this town that's sort of like moving on, but sort of can't shake this one thing that that's looming in their forest. Um, and then this event, this event of, of Kyle McLeod escaping Camp Crystal Lake and having Jason on his heels. And, you know, for the first time in a long time, Jason going back into that original cycle, which is get provoked kill as many people as possible and just take whatever comes because now he feels like he's got nothing to lose. He's been found. He's been caught on camera. Um, you know, the, the plan has worked, but now it's like DEFCON six, like this is the right. worst case scenario. And <laughs> sure. it was kind of the cool thing about never hiking the snow was never hiking the snow was showing sort of like a near miss event. This was almost Kyle McLeod. Mark Hill got 20 yards from his car. Right. Like all he had to do was, was get up and get to that car and drive away and Jason would have been screwed. You know what I mean? Okay. And Jason with his last, like his last ditch effort was to hit this kid with an arrow to stop him from running. <laughs> so finally awesome hunt him, It was so good. Finally hit him down, but like how close he came. And so like, I know these films are like, it's, it's sometimes like we root for the, for the villains and we, you know, we, we root for the heroes. We root for Kyle, we root for Tommy and stuff like that. But in this moment, like I wanted to like, I wanted to show some stuff from Jason's perspective. That like Jason is actually fighting for something, like giving him like a reason to sort of, you know, have to protect and his mother and that sort of bond that they have that crosses between the worlds of of living and dead and this curse that surrounded the camp. It's like it's all cool to us as fans. And I I don't think that it gets enough. It doesn't get enough screen time. In, in the uh, actual films. Uh, yeah, they, they rarely talk about it like a curse. They always sort of try to dismiss it and try to sort of downplay it. And they don't they don't lead into it because it's, it's the greatest crutch that the series has. It's the one thing that it can explain everything that's going on. Because when you say, oh, there's a curse. Well, there's supernatural things that you can inject into it. And it being a movie will take it at face value because it's a film and it's set in a world where this curse actually exists. Right. I think that part six does a great job of sort of cementing that lore um, where it wasn't really before. It was very unclear before, but. Crazy Ralph let the, them know in, in the first one. He did. And it, and that's sort of what I'm trying to build off of. And I'm sort of like, yeah, we said Crazy Ralph was crazy, but what if Crazy Ralph was right? What if the things that people are saying that this place is cursed, that there's something really wrong with this place is real? Crazy you know, Ralph was absolutely
1: scary. 100% correct. Crazy Ralph was not wrong. He, <laughs> he was right, nice, but he was right
0: he understood the assignment he yeah. uh, he understood what that place was and he tried to warn people but no one wanted to believe it because they all believed in the actual reality of like ghosts don't exist and all these different things right and it's scarier when they do and in this world they do and i think that that helps you know sort of cement jason's legacy and make it easier to sort of take some of the things that he goes through and then you know making never hike alone gave me a chance to meet with a lot of the filmmakers like i've had a chance to sit down with tom McLaughlin and have long in-depth conversations about what we think jason is and where we think the lore, lore is and learn and i actually sat down with joe zito at a at a part like now it's out of the bag being in 13 fanboy um i got to know judy ronson a little bit and she took me out to a Friday to the 13th awesome. 4 screening She's where awesome. joe zito was there and and um and and a few other people. And, you know, I got a chance to ask Joe. I'm like, Joe, what do you think? Is Jason alive or undead? He goes, he's undead. He's like, he's undead in part four. I was like, wait, what? He goes, yeah, when he's in the barn at the beginning of that movie, he's dead. And he reanimates and he gets back up and he keeps killing again. And then at the end of the movie, he's going to get up again. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I thought for all these years, that was like the death of human Jason as we understood him. He goes, no. He goes, he was undead in part four. And And so I started to realize that like, you know, I sort of had the, the the theory at that point that Jason following the original film, Jason had drowned and something about Pamela's death is what brought him back to life. And he came out of the water and wherever he was not found. um, And that's what spawned him sort of coming back. And over the years, he sort of like picked back up his growth and picked back up sort of um, where he left off there. But there was this supernatural drive kind of pushing him, pushing him to do things, and, you know, through those those years between one and three, I'm sure he struggled with sort of the, the instance that he had to kill people. Sure. You know, I'm sure that going to to Alice's house and killing her maybe wasn't easy. And some of the things weren't easy, but they became easy right. and they became easier and easier with it. And as he gave into the curse and he gave into the hate, and he gave into the evil that whatever it spawned from his mother, you know, whatever passed on from his mother to him, that it was easy for him to carry it on. And it's only in these films now that they're sort of like, he's starting to question it. being Like, have (laughs) we been doing the right thing? Especially in Never Hike in the Snow because he understands that he's killed an innocent boy. He was once an innocent boy. And so I try to present the series with serious, I try to present the series with serious questions that it's never asked before. And, you know, I think that that sort of brings it to a new place. It's not that you can't have fun movies like Friday the 13th, part five or part six, or like even like, something as crazy as Jason X. Like I was actually thinking of a cool Jason X sequel today. Listen,
1: um, J- I, listen, Jason X as a movie itself is absolutely utterly ridiculous, but I will sit and watch it. I don't hate Jason X at all. I really don't. It is what it, it, it is. It's like, all right, they put they brought this dude up into space eventually. I mean, where else is he going to go? Cause that's where the whole franchise was going, but I'll tell you the truth. Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd watch Jason X over
0: Jason Goes to Hell any day. I mean, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I I, I don't know. I have a little bit more fun. I, I'm able to let go a little bit more with Jason X than I am Jason Goes to Hell. I, I get yes. where like Jason Goes to Hell has its like. It's one of those ones you can watch every now and then and be like, this exists in the franchise. It's different. Ugh, um, it's here, you know, but it's like, uh Yeah. God. I mean, well, you know, it, it's like I mean, honestly, like I'd rather watch Jason Goes to Hell than the remake. Um I feel like the remake is sort of like it's like it's not really a, it's one of the reasons why I I wanted to make Never Hike Alone is because I felt that like I thought the remake was going to do what I tried to do with Never Hike Alone and it was grounded and sort of like really take it in this like and really come up with some like really interesting things and I felt that their answers that they had like you know tunnels and yeah. You know, if we're going to, and we're going to look at like, you know, we're going to look at things that are in exist in the camp. They're going to do something like putting Jason's name on a headboard. And I was looking to like experience things about camp. Crystal it Lake. It doesn't hold like, hostages yeah. either. Yeah. And I, I was just not, I don't know. I, I just felt that like it was a, it tried, but ultimately <laughs> after initially sort of like forcing myself to like it, I grew to hate it because I realized that like, Oh my God, all these elements were there. And you know, going back and reading the articles about like, we're going to make it Rambo. Jason is really like, you know, he lives off the land and he's really resourceful and smart and cunning. And then like going like, okay, like let's do the the tech. Let's, let's see if the words line up. Is he that smart? Is he that cunning? And it was like, maybe for 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. maybe. And then it all falls apart. And then he starts going wild and like going against what you're saying. Like, yeah, like, yeah, these things could happen, but I felt like it got away with like, it started to fall into like, Hey, we're making a Friday the 13th. Don't lean into logic too much. And sure. it sort of fell back into its old tropes Right, and it didn't, it didn't excel. And it sort of just did the same thing that it always did, which can you blame it for doing that? I guess not. And Probably that's not. always a valid defense to be like, Hey, that's what Friday the 13th really is. And right. I, like, I know, but. But it's a cop out. It's, it's like a cop out. No, I mean, it's, it's doing what Friday the 13th yeah. is. And, I, and I, I realized at that moment that, like, it's really going to be a hard conversation to convince people to let you take a more serious tone with Friday the 13th and take risks. And, yeah. you know, and um, that's why I thought everyone was going to hate Never Hike Alone. You know, I went into it thinking, no one's going to like this. And there's no. That's a lot of people out.
1: do, though. A lot of people do,
0: because. Now they do. I mean, after the fact, it's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but going into it, if you lay down all of those elements that make up Never Hike Alone on the paper on um, and just sort of lay that out and pitch it to somebody before they've ever seen the movie, they'd probably be like, that doesn't sound like Friday the 13th. All right. And. And I I can see why anybody ever listened to me pitch about and talk about Friday the thirteenth, prior to me releasing that would be like, I don't think you understand. And I think for me it was like, no, I understand. I understand this J I understand Jason very well. I'm just telling you that like in my head, the way that he's existed and the way that he's grown and the way that he used to scare me as a child, there are certain things that the franchise is not taking advantage of. Also working my way up through the industry and sort of learning about story structure and looking for good. You know, good beads of character that can lead to good storytelling. I realized that Friday the Thirteenth had all these had these gems spread throughout the franchise. That there's lots of great stories that are presented. That if you even just hyper focus on a few moments, that you could tell really interesting stories about some of these characters that fans have grown up loving. Um, and and yeah, based on all of that, I just sort of, um, I just sort of injected all that in Never hike Alone. I just said, okay, this is this. If I ever wandered into the forest and I bumped into Jason, like this is how, in in best case scenario, this is how I get out alive. Right. Like these are all the things that would have to happen in order for me to survive, and these are all the things that I would have to survive. And then, sort of putting Kyle McLeod in that place, and then making him a character through his own thing, and be like, what will he need? And and when I say I, I don't mean me personally, but I mean me as a character. As a character, and so. And so when I, you know, writing perspective and so when you're writing in the film and so when I started to put Andrew in that role and we cast Andrew and Andrew became Kyle, I realized that like on screen, I would believe a lot of the things that he does, that he fits the bill. He seems like somebody who's outdoorsy, who can take care of themselves, He's yeah. agile, and strong, who can survive stuff and taking you know, care of his being, wounds and shit, wrapping his wounds and just all that yeah. shit. Yeah. And, and, sort of like, you know, there's even like elements of the video game in there, which are sort of unconscious, but like, these are the things you would have to do. And, right. um, he, if he lacks any one of those skills, he doesn't make it out. That's what makes him so special of the character. And I think that that's what makes him so enjoyable. And, you know, I think that like, like Mark Hill is sort of like similar, like he has a lot of similar qualities to, to Andrew. He's young, he's fast, he's agile. he's pretty smart you know, but he, he lacked, you know, he just, he didn't, he lacked that one ounce of luck, one more luck that, (laughs) you know, that uh, Andrew had, that that Kyle has. And so it's kind of a, you know, I I like that. I, I, that's sort of like, those are the things I'm proud about when I look back and look at the storytelling and, you know, lay these out for fans to sort of experience different adventures with these characters and, you know, like to bring back Tommy and and Rick and sort of base that in in a, in a world that feels like real and grounded. And, you know, that's what I'm really excited about. Never hike Fallen two is the fact that their relationship is what we're going to see grow the most. Um, the film is mostly about Tommy, um, follows from Tommy's perspective. This is really his film. So there will be no more sort of like Tommy coming in and out. This is like Tommy, you know, from the start. And he'll he'll be there on the first frame and he'll be there on the last frame. Nice. And, um, if he makes it through, I guess, I don't want to spoil anything, but um but you know but it, it will it will be about his story and it will be about sort of like his final battle with jason and maybe you know putting to bed this curse and this thing once and for all but he's going to need help from all the people that are around him 100%. in order to do it and he can't do it by himself right um you know and, and it's you know i think that the, that's a pretty relatable story right Absolutely. and I, I think that fans now that we've introduced all these characters now we can just go in and have fun um you know there's still a little bit of lead up to do there's still a little bit of storytelling you know characters to build and stuff like that but i think as once the film gets going um you know it's going to be good like i was going over the script today and i was cutting things out and i realized you know things really get going by like page 12 all right. you know, it nice. really picks up the pace and That's like awesome. there's some cool ki- you know and, and, and also thinking about the fans and, and, and I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of like okay like let me dial back some things some big ideas that I had but still like open up chances for Jason to do what he does and make fans happy but never sacrifice the quality of story like I'll cut a I will cut a kill and I will cut a scene if it means that the story is going to get better and you know we're not going to you, know, you know you're know, you not going to be looking at your watch being like when is this movie going to move on uh, You know, and, and, you know, try to make, avoid those sort of like, you know, I think that young filmmakers and amateur filmmakers, one of the things that we do, um, when we first start out is we sort of like want everything, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, they, they have to see this. The audience needs that. And as I've gone on more and more, I'm like, I've become so used to being like, I just cut it out.
1: Yeah. Hey, listen, Yeah, it seems like, first of all, it's brilliant that, that, I mean, obviously you well well, steeped in 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 all of the knowledge, and, and you put a ridiculous amount of thought and and I'm like like you were saying, you're talking to John Zito, you're talking with Tommy McLaughlin, like all these people, and you put together an awesome thing, man. And and what was it going to be? It was going to be Never Hike Alone two, right. and then it was going to be what was
0: that? That's Never Hike Again, right? No, yeah. So it was Never Hike Again. Right? Jason takes Crystal Lake, and then the and, final and hike. In the final hike so you can look at that as like act one act two act three right and that's what it was it was act one of, of the film act two of the film and act three of the film you know each own with its own start beginning beginning middle and end um and they would have been sort of like in varying length like never hike again would have been probably another 25 minutes jason takes crystal lake probably would have been somewhere around 40 and then the final hike would be another 25 so i'm trying to sort of just, you know, like I already cut out one big scene that would have been like a big party scene where like 10 people were going to die and it was going to be a lot of fun and we're going to get rid. But that you know, that's if I could focus it down on that one crowdfund and spend some money from the crowdfund on that. But if I have to justify that out of the movie, so that scene comes out of the movie and a new scene is born out of it that's sort of like, "Eh, maybe not 10, maybe I'll do two. You know, maybe it's a scene where two people get it. And how does that weave into the story you know, from a storytelling standpoint and how, how does it fit in? And, you know, I, the, the story sort of, and when I do that, the, the production sort of like lose it, get like loses weight. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden it becomes a little bit, Oh yeah. Now I feel like I'm not thinking about like, Oh, I got like this, like, like this real heavy limp, because I know that this scene's going to cost me $30,000. Right. You know what I mean? Like now I, I just got rid of a th- 30, 30 pound weight, you know, a $30,000 pound weight off my shoulder. And I made this in like a $5,000 scene. Ooh, Ooh, that, that means I don't have to raise as much. That makes the bar a little bit lower. You know what I mean? Like it just right. keeps lowering that, that, that fundraising bar to know that we can do something exciting, but not like put ourselves in a fundraising corner where we can't afford what we want to do, which right. is like, would have been the case if I would have done the original version of the script. And so, um, you know, some more of those are coming. There's some fire gags that I that I'm gonna pull out of the film. All right. Um, so I don't have to pay for the VFX, so I don't have to do for that. But we're gonna, you know, and in its place, I gotta go like, you know, like so in an instance like that, you go, Oh, it would have been really nice. And it's really easy to tell the story when you got fired. But <laughs> you know, how do you how do you tell these same kind of building sets of events without that element? What will the characters have to do? What, what how will this play out? What's another exciting, you know, tense building um scene and, and it challenged me as a filmmaker. Like the, the the more you put a filmmaker in a box, the more creative they become. You know, I got to work with um I got to work with Scott Mosier on a on a project uh for about a year. He's a I don't know if you know who he is, but he's the I'm producer sure. for work. So he did all of Kevin Smith's movies, like Clerks, okay, and okay. Small Rats and Jay and Silent Bob, and and Dogma, and all this stuff. Okay, you know, I got to work with him for a little bit. And he, you know, he told me a story like coming up from Clerks, where they literally had no money, and then they do a film like Dogma, where they got like some of the biggest stars in the world yeah. in their movie, and they got all this money from Miramax. And he said, you know, it became really easy to make a movie when you could sure. just write a write a check, <laughs> you know, just-, you just throw money at it. He's <laughs> like, but you know, he's like, when you're first starting out, like you have gotta you got a budget to work with and like, you can't like money just doesn't appear out of nowhere. So you got to make sure that like, it, you can't spend it all. Right. And you know, it was something that I sort of like, you know, and that's what we sort of talked about, like with the project that we were on and sort of some of the decisions that we were making and why we couldn't just throw this at it or do this at it. Right. Um, and why we were struggling at the, at the time. And so like when I, when I was doing never hike alone, it was really built on that. It was like, what can I afford? what can I do? And, and I constantly do that even today. It's like, yeah, I would love to do these great, amazing things, but like, what can I afford it? And if I, it, if I can make it happen with what, if somebody gives me a quote for it to say that they could do it, how can they actually execute it? And those two factors determine whether I'm going to do something or not. Like I'm not going to just because it's a cool idea and it sounds good on the page. I'm not worried about how it sounds on the page. I'm worried about how it's going to come across for the viewer. Who's going to watch this one absolutely like that's who i'm re- that's who i'm responsible to i'm not responsible with my ego for what i think is cool i'm responsible for them to come up with something that looks good and looks professional right and you know and when i don't reach that bar for myself i get upset and and you know i think that like because i have that that sort of um work drive, drive. yeah yeah. And, and, and driving, and, and, I will, and, and self humility to be like, this isn't good enough yet. And it's not from a, you know, it's not being like a start, like the starving artist of being like, Oh, it's, it needs more time. It's more about just sort of, you know, it's, it's not quite there and right. I'll take my time and not rush it and do it right. Rather than just jump in and, and make it happen because I feel like I'm on some arbitrary deadline. Right, And like, we have deadlines for what we want to do, but we're not going to let that dictate, you know, how we operate our business. It's, it's, you know, our, our, job is to make a film, save as much money as p- possible along the way. So that way, you know, the more money we save, the more money we can put in, it means that I can take something from something else and, and continually invest in the film. If I run out of, you know, money early, then all of a sudden I'm scrambling for cash at the end. And, you know, we don't get the, the, the post-production that we need. We don't get the, the the time and in, in certain places that we need with visual effects and things like that. So right. you never want to hamstring yourself and, and you want to make sure that, you know, you don't, um, you don't put yourself in a, in a position to fail. Right.
1: Even like all, all the people that do your, your practical effects and, and like in, in never hiking the snow, that ax shot to his mouth mm-hmm. and like all that stuff. Like it's all like, like you were saying, like it looks, prof- it looks professional. It doesn't yeah, look like it, it doesn't look like it's shot with an iPhone. It's it's fucking it's awesome. And that's and that's like all these little things about it. So I watched it several times. And every time I watched it, I'm like, this is fucking, it's well made. It's it's not your typical fan film by
0: any means. Yeah, mean. I mean, and it looks professional because we work with professionals. I mean, right. I, you know, obviously I applaud people who are coming up in the in the industry and are working on things, um, but at the same time, like we're trying to set a, a tone, you know what I mean. Like we want to be as we're not trying to replace the films, but we want to be as good as them. We want people to enjoy them just as much. You're keeping and them in the forefront. To... I think. I think you're keeping them. I think with core fans, I still think that there's a large section of Friday the Thirteenth fans that haven't given fan films a shot at all. Um, I think the Friday the Thirteenth franchise is much bigger than than what we've seen, um, as far as like. Support with fan films. You know, we've got, you know, there's got to, like, we, the last film we made, we had 3,000 backers. I think there are a lot more than 3,000 Friday the 13th fans around the world, don't you? uh You think? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, that's sort of always my goal is like to never give them an excuse to be like, oh, well, this is amateur hour. Right. And, you know, I can't say that like we always succeed because I don't think anyone is ever 100% loving what they do. I think that we're able to sort of execute with what we have pretty well um and and i think a lot of the self i think a lot of the the criticism that i sort of put on myself is probably only i notice it From you know i think a majority of like the the even like the fair weather fan or even someone who's slightly familiar with friday the 13th or people who even die hard they they you know things they would they won't notice but i notice and i know that like sort of like if you really know what you're looking at and you'll notice, oh, of course, absolutely. Um, well, you,
1: well you're, 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 your biggest, you know, you could yeah. yourself the most, man. I get it.
0: You're your biggest. Critique. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's, it's learning from that. I, and what I feel good about is that every time I go back and I look at sort of what I've made, I can say like, wow, I, maybe it's not perfect, but I got better than the last time. There you go. And there I know, and if this is a trend, then it just means the next thing's going to get even better. Absolutely. And that's, and I think that that, you know, it's, it's nice to have the burden of, of never hiking the snow off my shoulders, being able to look forward to never hike alone and sort of and also see an end of the road too. to be like, hey, I finally get to tell this story. You know, yeah. this is the one I've been waiting to tell. And, you know, the reason why I took the long road was because I believed in the bigger picture. I believe in what this adventure has looked like when you sit back and you watch it all the way from the ghost cut to never hike alone to never hike again. Um, and it's all three of those films put together and you see all three sections and it's all, you know, one big cut at the end of this and it's going to be like three hours long. Right. Hey, so that it's an adventure. It's yeah. an adventure with Jason and it's epic and it's emotional and it's brutal and it's, um, And it's just all those things that Friday the 13th has always had the potential to be and has touched it a few times in a few places, like part six and part four and part two and part one. Yeah. In ways that like that really kind of um, that amplified, you know, the franchise and the fandom and. I think at least in this time that we had this downtime of like the days of the lawsuit, the dark days of development, hell and extended lawsuit deadlines that somehow some way we came along in this and, and was like a, a light and you know, there's been several other teams and filmmakers that have, that have followed us into, into this journey. And not to say that, like we obviously didn't invent the fan film it's, it's been around for a long time. We didn't invent Friday the 13th fan films, but I would say that there is a clear dividing line between, you know, fan films of the past and what we came to expect out of them, and sort of when you see a fan film now. Now there's an expectation. Yeah, you, yeah, you just set the bar, man. You definitely you set the bar. You can't just ball. go out in your backyard anymore. You know, I, other filmmakers aren't just filming with their friends. They're going out and finding actors. They're getting, you know, really expensive cameras. They're getting alumni. They're yeah. They're, they're building you know, like sets. I, they're actually building sets. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I got to work with um I got to work with two great guys, uh, James Sweet and Carl Winnery for the Jason Rising project. And they built all their yeah. own sets. Yeah. in the in their uncle's backyard. <laughs> you oh, know, hey, and we turned awesome. <laughs> we turned this guy's barn into a correctional facility and and you know, made made a made a movie good enough to convince uh, Adrian King and Amy Steele to come out of retirement and and you know play their characters again yeah and do something special for fans and especially I mean if you're a big part four fan too
1: yeah gun to my head part four is my favorite if if I had to choose I mean it's yeah, hard, so but four is my so favorite.
0: No, so if you know a you know a common theme sort of in the in the projects that I attach myself to and the projects that I make are things that I believe are you know no-brainers. You know what I mean? I think that they're, um, they're, they're questions that are sort of like, you know, like what do fans want? Fans want Jason in this stuff. You know, there was a time, you know, fans wanted a found footage Friday the 13th film and I was adamantly against it. I was like, I don't want, ugh, yeah. it's going to be so bad. You know, like, I can imagine <laughs> yeah. all the ways it could be so bad mm-hmm. and, and never hike alone came out of that. I was like, if you're going to give me a found footage film, this is how I want my found footage film. Right. And if I want a snow film, I want to see the snow and play. So I want to do something that's really memorable, which and so we came up with uh the Blood Angel gag. Um right. and with Jason Rising, it was like, Oh, this is for the fans who always who who I see out there who are like part six haters. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Yo, who are you? you yeah, how are this. you a part six hater? Like it's such a like, good... sort point. of like you're like the real like they're like the the true OG Friday right thirteenth like I'm sitting here going, it changed it new line. He's like, you kidding me? You changed it lightning. <laughs> and, and, and work gloves and like all the pop culture references. And, and I was like, and sort of true. And I, I realized that and that like Friday the 13th could have taken a much different spin. And, you know, imagine, you know, and I think what James brought to that, what James brought to the franchise was like, what if Ted or what if Sam Raimi uh, took over Friday the 13th? Ah, how would it, how would it go? Oh my god and it, that's really sort of like i was like this is going to be fun yeah. and um and it was i mean that was one of the greatest experiences of my life making that film um you know with carl and james and you know that entire team up there was uh you know some of the best times i've ever had in my life getting to go up to portland beautiful city the beautiful outskirts too being in washington and uh, out in the woods and battle creek lake and uh, or Battle Creek Park and like on these like river banks and lakes. And I mean, it was just it was beautiful. And we were doing some crazy stuff. And we we got to kill a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't it wasn't an ever hike alone. It wasn't sort of something that was like steeped in like, no, there has to be so much story that leads up to a kill and it has to mean this and that. That right. like We could literally just be like, all right, we got our cannon fodder characters. They've all been set up. Like we all know while they're there and there's a reason for multiple people to be here. Right. Let's start murdering them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was really great about James is that James's background was in building haunted houses. You know, he's also oh, a fantastic shit. actor and was a working actor. So he took these skills as being an actor. And being someone who's used to building sets for haunted houses, and built everything you see in the movie. Wow! You know, on his weekends, and that's sort of like the great part about these fan films is that a lot of what goes into it, even though at the end of the day you're watching about an hour's worth of footage, or you know what it is, is that there are weekends and months. Oh and hell yeah! People just break long asses days, and it's but sick. just to build the materials, and that's even before we start shooting. All right and so it's sort of a you know it's really rewarding when you get you know after all that work you get to the end of it and you go it's done and it's out and now people can say whatever they want about it but oh, here's what i know i don't owe it another ounce of work it's already done all Right. you know yeah. and how now many, i get a chance how to celebrate many views, it. how many views has, does never hike alone even have uh never like point. is 3.2 million dude Three point two, like,
1: so so more than three thousand backers need to come out of the woodwork for the next one. I mean, Jesus Christ!
0: Yeah, you know, there's that. There's you know, and and you know, Never in the Snows up around a million. Um, you know, the ghost cut is somewhere between five and six hundred thousand. Um, and you know, everything else on our channel sort of like is up there. You know, thousands of views, and <sighs> you know, mixed and matched. And we just want to keep growing it. We think that Never Hike One Two is going to be big. You know, obviously, people want to see it. People there's want. No to know reason why it destroyed. shouldn't
1: be, dude. Uh, because your, your track record alone, with the things that you've done and things that you've even been in, your track record doesn't. You know, it says there's no reason why I never hike alone too. You know, should be fucking not huge.
0: Yeah. No. I. I have. um You know, the expectations that weren't there before are now there, of but course. now I, you know but I feel confident. Like I've, I've been waiting, like I said, like I've been waiting to tell this part of the story for at least two years. Right. And I thought I was going to have a chance to roll one right into the next because I was ready to tell it. Now, you know, I've had this opportunity to sit back with it a little bit longer, which has been good. I think it's been good for the story. I think I've been able to let go of a few bigger ideas that were, that always sort of sat in the back of my mind Is like, that's going to be a challenge, but we'll figure it out somehow. And now I'm like, I don't have to figure it out. And the film's no worse for it. Like, All right. You know, the film is is right. is better the better the film moves. Like we just move into the next part of the story. This is gonna be great. Gotcha. Um and so it's sort of like, you know, and 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 that's you know, that's where I'm at the process right now. Um we're gonna do a, a crowdfund in, in March. Awesome. You know, we're gonna you know, all that stuff. Right now we're working on the ghost cut. We got those Blu-rays to put together. That's sort of like my mission over the break. You know, I I I'm like I told you before we started recording, I'm working on a film, not on a film, on a on a TV show called Chad that's on TBS Hulu, um, which has been, I've been working on it since October. It's a lot of long hours. Um, and I've sort of been like pushing things along. And when I, where we finish up on Friday and I got a few weeks off, so that's sort of like my time to sit down and be like, I have all my elements. I'm going to build all the stuff. And so I'm just going to sit through Christmas, do that fun stuff. Um, and when I get back, submit it all and go from there. And so, you know, that's going to take, you know, I, yeah, so that's a lot of work, but I think by the time I finish that, we'll, we'll be launching Never High Two. 2. Um, we'll raise that money and then we'll probably start shooting this spring. You know, the idea is to take this script, we got to break it down and break it down by location. Um, we'll shoot out each one of those locations, cut a film, probably and hopefully have a little bit of extra money to say like, oh, we could have used this or, oh, we could have used that and go right. back and like do those inserts and kind of pick up some things. Um, and then we're aiming for October next year.
1: Um, okay. All right. I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't wait to see it and, and follow the progress on it. It's fucking cool shit. Yeah, yeah so I think it's you, gonna be cool. Yeah, there's no reason why it shouldn't be. So you play you've played Jason, you've played Michael Myers or the shape. When's the Freddy
0: debut? I mean, I'm not gonna do anything Freddy. I, I'm too big to play Freddy, but um Dylan's New Nightmare. But Dylan's new nightmare, um, is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, a good friend of mine, Dave McRae is going to play uh, Freddie in that one. It's going to be directed by Cecil Laird from the horror show, uh, bringing back Nico, Yu set in the world of new nightmare. Wow. Uh, so he's reprising his role as Dylan Porter from, from that world. So it's cool to sort of not have to like reinvent Freddie from the original universe, which I think is harder. I actually think that there's, there's a little bit more leeway place for exploitation or exploration in, um, in the new nightmare world because it's like sort of a lot of untapped potential. There are things that like, you know, there are five or six films that sort of go through the Freddy world and go in different directions, but there's only one film in new nightmare. And we can take this, this story and, and really make it relatable. Again, I think that new nightmare will have a more of a never hike alone tone. Okay. You know, it's not, I think it's going to be less of a Jason rising more of a never hike alone um, because it's going to be about people in real world situations Okay. real world fears that that you know the dylan porter character has um and what word, if, what if we around what a, little,
1: a little birdie on my window still might have told me that uh one uh junior Hubbard might make a, a little appearance in dylan's new night
0: that is yeah we're we're in the process <laughs> of getting uh, ron to be to, to play one of the, the characters in new i just
1: Nightmare. i just spoke with him like last week as a matter of fact i did like a 45 minute thing with him
0: Oh yeah, he's great. Um, Super. I cool get to work with. Yeah, I met Ron on on um on Thirteen Fanboy, and you know, we instantly awesome. hit it off. And and you know, like Ron had been one of those alumni that reached out to me early on Never Hike Alone and wished me, you know, all the best, and said that he had seen it and, and congratulated me, and um, and so when I had met him on on Thirteen Fanboy, it felt like it was such a long time coming. Yeah. Um, what a nice and, guy, man! I had a well, ball bullshit with him. Oh, he's 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 a gem. And, you know, we just we just came out and did the 13 fanboy premieres We to spend a little bit more time together and and enjoy that. You know, that was a lot of hard work, too, with Deb um, going out to New Mexico and spending a lot of time out there. So it was um, that was a long time coming, too. So it was good to see that that find its way to the surface. She
1: was a sweetheart as well. I I had her on. And 13 Fanboy was about to come out. So she really couldn't mm-hmm. talk so, so, so much about it. You know, I did like a mini episode, maybe like a half hour or so, or whatever, but she was awesome as well, man. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and what a what a cast. And I, I, lo- I love the way she put it. She was like, it's just a, it's a love letter to Friday the 13th fans or just the horror fans in general.
0: Yeah, it really was. Because, I mean, we have, you know, there's a plethora of people in there. So it was really oh cool to God. sort of get us all back and have some fun.
1: Like how'd she wrangle Corey Feldman out of the woodwork for that? Like what? The
0: you know, f- I don't know, I don't <laughs> you know. She, did it. she she just has she just made it work. You know what yeah. I mean? Like she did her she she pounded the pavement and and you know, completely independent venture, and and she did it. And you know, yeah. and we're all super proud of her.
1: Unreal. And I'm not gonna get into
0: because if anyone didn't see it, you need to see it. But man, yeah, I still <laughs> feel like we're in spoiler phase. I don't want to. I know. I, I feel like, like we are too.
1: I I. I I didn't see it coming, I'll be honest with you. I didn't see it coming. Me and my ex-girlfriend were sitting there watching it. And uh like she's like, It's this motherfucker here. It's him. No, it's gotta be him, it's gotta be him. She's like, Who are to get? I'm like, honestly, I really don't know. I really don't know who it is. So it was well done. And then when I saw who it was, I'm like, this motherfucker.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Like it was, i think she did a good job and and it was, yeah. a, it was you know it was a surprise to everybody i you know honestly um and i was just like you know it was we all had to play our part in the movie and i was glad that i got the part that i got you know what i mean um oh. you know i get to pop you know i get to pop up through the movie and you know i, I at first i was only supposed to be doing like some stunt work And then she brought me on to be like, no, I got this character that you could play and, you know, sort of be, you know, one of the suspects, but, you know, who knows what your intentions are. And like, no, it meant I got to have scenes with Judy Ronson. It meant that, you know, I got some praise time with the lead. In fact, Haley is a good friend of mine. Um, Her and I worked on projects out here with with the director of photography, Ben Meredith. And when um, Deb was sort of like, hey, I'm casting for 13 Fanboy. Do you have anybody you want to recommend? And I recommended her and a few other girls that I had worked with on, um, the last broadcast project. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to remember if, if, you know, Haley didn't end up working on that one, but I had worked on her with in like another version of it. Like we had done like another sort of like twisted tail with Ben that he was testing out these cameras. Um, and you know, I thought she was great. And I was like, Hey, here's, here's some names. Yep. And, you know, Haley has me back. She's like, I got it. She's like, what am I in for? I was like, I don't know. Like, but I think we're all going to be in it together. And, you know, then we got Andrew on it. You know, I think that uh, Deb took the Andrew really early on uh-huh. um, interviewing him and, and stuff like that. So they became close really quick. So it was good that we all sort of like, she, she carved out a place for us Yeah, and, um, and it was just uh, it was just natural. It was a natural progression to, you know, to the ending that we got. And yeah. it all started with us doing that teaser and it growing from there. And I mean, I got to tell you up until I got to set, nobody knew who the who the killer was.
1: Really? That's, see, that's good shit when they do that. They don't let you know. And I just thought the yeah. whole concept was brilliant because, you know, I go to conventions all the time. I go to like a minimum, I go to an average of like six conventions a year, you know, mm-hmm. two monster manias, two New Jersey horror cons, a couple of chillers and one somewhere else just to, Throw a wrench in the mix, you know what I mean? Somewhere mm-hmm. different. And I went to like it was a like Gettysburg or somewhere. Yeah, uh,
0: fresh, uh fresh um <laughs> it was the fresh uh, kill.
1: Uh it was it pop, pop rock, rock and, and horror. Yeah, pop rock oh, and yeah. horror.
0: Yeah. That's a good and, uh, one. That's a that's a really fun one. I had. that's where I,
1: I met fucking Corey Feldman there. It was the weird. They got oh. him, they got Corey for that, huh? That's great. Could Dude, it be? was so crazy. We got there. It was me and my ex-girlfriend and my daughter, and uh, we, got, we got to the hotel, and it was super late because at that time, like I was getting out of work at like, I don't know, it was like 10 o'clock at night. By the time we got out on the road and we drove all the way there, we we, we checked into the hotel, and it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.30 in the morning. We're like, hey, let's see if there's like any coffee or something like that. We just wanted to like check out the hotel, see how the whole convention was set up. And we're just walking through and all of a sudden like the, the, the lobby doors open up to the front as we're walking. They open. And here comes Corey Feldman decked from the neck down decked out in a white suit with shades on at night. I'm just like, and I think he was a lot shorter than I thought he was going to be in real life. I thought he was going to be tall. I don't know why. But I, I, I saw him. I was like, and I looked at him, I was like, oh, shit, what's up, man? He's like, oh, yeah, how you doing? Shook my hand, super nice. Like, I was drinking coffee, bullshit with him for a little while. He said hi to my daughter. And then I met him, like, the next day, you know, got something signed from him and shit. Obviously, the picture of him is shaved, you know, shaved head Tommy Jarvis. But, um, yeah, it was that was super cool. But, yeah, I go to conventions all the time. So there's, there's that whole, you know, portion of the film in Fanboy. Where you know there's people at conventions and they're all behind their tables and they're signing autographs. And I've said it a million times. It's like there's never any issues at conventions, ever. There's always security, but I've never seen an argument, I've never seen a fight at any horror convention I've ever been to. But it's a real possibility that that shit can hit the fan at any time from some psycho, you know, stalker yeah. fan. You know what I mean? So that whole portion of that, I was like, it's, 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 it's it was well done as well i enjoyed fanboy a lot
0: yeah and i think that like i think one of the nice things is, is that you'll you'll meet some of the most genuinely nice people in horror you know at these conventions. i think that's what's so great is that people may have that expectation of like oh all the serial killers and psychos go there it's like yeah weirdos go there but we're sort of fun but, and we're oh, nice and we i all think- just want to go out and like have fun and, and you know and talk about horror films and enjoy them and and you know i i think that's so great the convention circus gives these um circuit gives these um all all these people a chance to connect with the fans and you know i've had a a really great you know time doing some conventions and you know getting booths at them and sort of helping spread the word and doing film festivals and things like that so i've really come to you know i didn't get to do a lot of them when i was a kid so getting to do them now i'm sort of opening my eyes up to it i'm having a lot of fun
1: yeah i i I got i got in a little bit late i'm gonna say maybe like Six years ago, maybe seven years ago, was the first time that I went to one, and that was because a friend of mine told me that Paul Ellers, you know Paul Ellers, is Madman Madman Mars. Oh man, Madman! Oh my god, bro, it's so bad. I love that movie though, and I told I have have that (laughs) Blu-ray, bro, bro. I'm supposed to I'm supposed to have him on here. Like, I did a fly and everything. Like, I was going back and forth with him. But that was... The, I just recently told this on an episode. So, if you're listening, you know, here's another story that I'm repeating. But that was the first horror movie. Oh, it was with uh, Damien Miffet. It was the first horror movie that I ever saw in the movie theater. And I was, like, six years old. And I was by myself. And it was Madman. 1982. Oh, man. Really? So, yeah, so, so- he... So he was there and I was like, all right, he was at a chiller and I'm like, no shit. He said, my friend Mike told me, and he knows that I'm a huge Madman fan. So I'm like, I gotta go. So I went there, he was the first person I ever met at the convention and he couldn't have been cooler. And there was other cast members and I, I didn't really know the rules too much because it was my first con. There was like three or four other cast members They I am I'm like, oh, let's get a picture. And I was like, I think I should have paid them or something like that, but they were yeah. all really super nice. But from there on, I mean, it's been consistent conventions from there on. And there was only one person that I that I tried to give my money to like three times, but I won't give it to her because she's just not nice. I won't mention that name. But I tried three times. My daughter wanted to meet her. I tried three times to give her my eighty dollars, whatever it is. We a, I, I, I won't give her five dollars. And it's a shame because it's a bucket list person and it's just like, come on, man. Why at least act, at least pretend like you want to be there. I don't know, but Um, the the only person, but everybody else, there's not one person from Friday the 13th that was remotely nasty or any, everybody has been always been super cool. I've become always great. Yeah. All of them, dude. And I mean, I don't even know how many at this point I've met, but everybody, I've become friends with like, I have phone numbers of people that I'm like, how do I have this person's phone number? Like my 12 year old self is like, why does this person text me? Like, yo, how's it going? Like, it's just very weird because I go all the time. So it's like, I get to know all these people. I know all familiar faces. When are you coming to a convention next over here?
0: Um, I got to figure out. I got to like, basically, I, I, I just got to plan it all out. It, okay. COVID really kind of threw that for a loop, but I want to do East Coast stuff um it's been a while since i've been out there i think i did like a convention and and i did like pop rock and yeah. i think that's the furthest i've really gone so far um but i'm from massachusetts so i want to get out there some of the bigger ones i'm trying to get some help as far as like being able to talk to some of these places to be like hey i'm, I'm probably worth bringing out now like i mean you know i i can add more than just never hike alone to my list we've done more than that dude how about um, new jersey new jersey horror, horror con it's awesome Oh, I would love to do it. I got to figure out, you know, I got to get, I got to find a man over there. You know what I mean? Uh, Ryan Weber, Ryan exactly.
1: Weber. <laughs> yeah, dude. And he, and there's like a whole schedule. He says, obviously he doesn't have all the guests yet, but he has like five different ones all the way up to like next September, 2022, like already like the hotels and everything are booked. He's doing yeah. some really good shit. He started out small at the Edison hotel in Edison, New Jersey. Now he's mm-hmm. in Atlantic city at the showboat. It's hmm. great, dude. Bro, every Atlantic City. Get out to Atlantic City, show, bro. It's so good, man. Like, it's it's so good. Like, I'll go out there whenever it's at the showboat. I make a whole weekend out. I I get the room. I get the little discount code, whatever. I get the room in the hotel, and it's hmm. on there all weekend, from Friday night late until Sunday when they close. And it's, it's awesome. all really like fun. Yeah, so much fun, dude. You mind if I throw cool. out my sponsors real quick, and then we'll wrap up if you don't mind? I won't. I won't hold yeah, you. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Are you a coffee guy or no? I am a coffee guy. All right, awesome. One of the sponsors for the Brooklyn Blast Furnace is a company called Dead Sled Coffee. D-E-A-D-S-L-E-D Coffee. You can follow them on Instagram at Dead Sled Coffee. If you go to Dead deadsledcoffee.com and you type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you will get 20% off of your order and any order over $60 or more is free domestic shipping. What's cool about them is that they, they do these licensed, officially licensed coffees with like a whole bunch of horror people, dude. Like there's a Kane Hodder blend. There's a fucking, yeah, there's a Robin Anglin blend, Elvira, Rob Zombie, the band Kiss. So there's so many, dude. They, they they do a lot of real, and they're a small company, but they do a lot of, real, they have a Cypress Hill blend. So they do a whole bunch of really cool shit. And it's not like a gimmicky, you know, Starbucks Snooty coffee. So they're, you know, run by a couple of people that do really cool shit. Second is local. It's um Generation Records. It's, you know, a legitimate record store. They've been around since 1992. They survived this whole COVID thing, so they're still open. Um, you can go to follow them on Instagram at Generation Records. Or if you cannot go to the actual brick and mortar place where it's, it's located 210 Thompson Street here in the West Village in New York City. Um, you can go to, they have an eBay store and you can go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com and you can order stuff online from them. Last but not least, New Republic Printing for screen printing, embroidery, vinyl, stickers, and buttons. You follow them on Instagram as well at New Republic Printing. If you go to newrepublicprinting.net, there's a drop-down menu of all different kinds of brands of t-shirts or anything from t-shirts to hoodies, zip-ups, underwear, sweatpants, whatever you want, they can print it on it for you. There is no screen fees, which is ridiculous. There's no screen fees. There's no setup fees. And if you have your order delivered to any commercial address, it is free UPS ground shipping. So you can get a thousand Never Hike Alone t-shirts made and you can get, you know, 50 boxes delivered to your office and it won't cost Mm -hmm. you an extra nickel. So Dead Sled Coffee, Generation Records and New
0: Republic Printing. Thank you and just a quick shout out to that Kane hotter blend it's on sale for 13 dollars i think i'm gonna pick pick up some
1: there you go i have one right there in my kitchen nice Absolutely. yeah yeah dude um yeah they did they do a whole bunch of really cool shit like they have officially licensed stuff with all these people and it's you know there's like a yeah. bell blend there's like a vincent price there's an elvira yeah, yeah it's a mm-hmm. lot of really cool they have a chop really top cool. mosley
0: like a fucking wow. bill mosley blend it's good shit Yeah, have a uh, Bill Perryman, they like, got the Hills Have Coffee blend, which is pretty funny. Michael Perryman's really? on there, so I was just looking. I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" Like, yeah, like, oh, man. labels are rad. I'm really down with that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into it, and it's and it's good. And, and the three people that
1: that sponsor the podcast, I don't I don't make money off of this shit. They they just I just do this stuff for fun, but they've, I've used all of them way before the podcast was even a thought. So it's not like I'm saying that because they're a sponsor. Like I've been drinking dead sleds before this is even a thing. So
0: maybe in the next never hack alone, I literally just like adjusted the scene today and I was going over a part where a character pours himself a cup of coffee. So maybe we're going to have some dead sled in the background. There you go.
1: What (laughs) is it? Product product
0: product placement. placement. Yes. (laughs) It's brilliant. I would love to do that. You know, I don't want to be heavy handed with it, but, I, you know, I put that in the background. And, and yeah, that's it. awesome. Yep. That's good shit.
1: Oh, man. So you have a, you have I don't know. We don't have to go really into it, but I definitely want to touch on it real quick. But pathosis is fucking awesome. Oh, thank you. Yes. Um. What's up with this short called Judy?
0: Uh, Judy is the next short that we're doing. It's a collaboration with a good friend of mine, uh, Renee Rivas, who was, you know, we've been on a bunch of projects together uh, over the last few years. We met through Never Hike Alone. Uh, We did The Spirit of Haddonfield together. Um, He made a film called The Tent not too long ago and showed me this script. And I was like, hey, I think there's potential in it. We developed it, shot it all throughout the pandemic in pieces. Um, We're in post-production with it right now. Um, I do some acting in it. Um, I get to produce it, first AD it. Uh, renee directed and you know we brought together a really cool crew the same uh dp from fanboy uh, ben meredith shot it nice. um some really cool stuff it's 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 really sort of interesting i think it's like a pathosis um which was directed by austin boning a really good friend of mine uh visual effects artist or pre-visualization artist uh who works at the third floor here in los angeles works on some of the biggest films that you'll ever hear of right now working on dr strange you know for wow. example um and um yeah so you know, I think that, you know, like I said, like I, I get to help my friends make movies too. And and those are two instances in which I, I got to play that role of producer and, you know, going through the experiences of like making films in my past and also making the Never Hike films. I feel like I've got a pretty good knack for making independent cinema and working with small budgets and figuring out how to execute days and sort of just having relationships with um, filmmakers and film workers who... Uh, all bring their craft on the day they know that like it's our team and we're all in it to win it and we do our best because we love being out there on the festival circuit and meeting other filmmakers and obviously building our brand yeah. um and i think that judy's going to be a great step in that direction it's going to be different you know it's not our typical stuff like we we it's experimental which is cool it's gonna yeah be, you know so we're always trying to push the boundary of like what would you know i think you get a lot of the same things out of youtube movies uh you get a lot of the same type of like Again, they, they they rely on certain tropes and things like that of, of of acting a certain way and filming things a certain way. So we try to bring that cinematic, you know, experience to, to YouTube. And this will be another one of those. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we get it sold off to a, you know, a, sh- a shutter or an altar or something great. like that. It becomes a part of a cool streaming service.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. Listen. I wish you nothing but the best, bro. You're doing a lot of really Thank good you. shit. And, and once, I, I mean, I, it was like, I don't know, the, the eighth time I watched High Colon. I'm like, and I'm doing all these, you know, if you, if you have a look in the, in the archive of like all the podcasts, it's a lot of music and heavy bands and friends of mine mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then I just felt like I was having the same conversation with different people you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was like, like yeah. music, like, like. All right, we all agree that this band is awesome and this band is what. And we're talking about. I just felt like, even though the names has changed, I just felt like the the, the conversations were being redundant. So yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna pigeonhole myself. Like I said before, I do this for fun. You know, I, mm-hmm. I do it. It's you know, I don't look at like at it as a, as a job, or else I wouldn't do it. I have a regular fucking right. job. Yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, like, we all have enough work in our lives. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, I don't do politics here and I just talk about fun shit. That's it. You know, I like the things that I want to talk about. You know, I want to talk to fucking people who make fucking Jason movies and actors from horror movies that I watched when I was a kid and just have fun. And so once I saw, you know, Jason, you know, I was gonna say Jason Rising, but I watched that as well. But once I saw Never Hike Alone, yeah, you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm doing all these horror things. I just did a five episode original cast member and DP Daniel Pearl of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was insane for me to do. How am I cool. sitting here talking with the hitchhiker? Like, it was just really? surreal for me, dude. Yeah. So, you know, I got an opportunity to talk to all these people, and I have fun doing it. And so, I was like, you know what? Let me just reach out to you and see if you would want to do it. Talk about your film company and and all this stuff. And I knew we could nerd out about. Friday thirteenth. So I said, fuck it. So oh yeah, totally. No,
0: yeah. this has been a blast, man. I, I I think there's a reason why it's called the blast furnace, because I definitely uh, have one. You don't
1: even want to know the the, the 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 name behind the the name behind the podcast is utterly ridiculous and has nothing to do with anything. It's nonsense. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I just couldn't call it the Jimmy Ferrari podcast. It's just ridiculous.
0: Well, it uh it works
1: for me. I, I like it. Thanks, brother. Um you want to throw out like your social medias and all that stuff? Yeah.
0: Yeah, everyone can follow us um, at Wompstomp Films, W-O-M-P-S-T-O-M-P-F-I-L-M-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. You know, we're always posting on Instagram. Keep an eye out for our uh, crowdfunding campaigns on Indiegogo. We'll post about them at all of our, um, obviously, on all of our uh, social media links. We also have a uh A website wompstompfilms.com and of course youtube.com slash wompstompfilms all of our films are there streaming for free Uh, most of them have no ads Uh, all the never hikes no ads Uh, we have great behind the scenes i'll be posting more behind the scenes and special uh other sort of like bonus clips from never hiking the snow over the coming year as we get ready for never hike again uh that will be again um crowdfunding in March of 2022 and hopefully streaming at your home for free in October of 2022.
1: Awesome. Fucking brilliant, dude. And once again, thank you so much for your time. And all I ask everybody is just follow me on Instagram. I mean, I have this, there's the podcast group on Facebook and this and that, but most of the stuff you'll get like, I'll put up you know Like who's coming Or whatever But on my Instagram page It's just at The Brooklyn Blast Furnace And the link in the bio Is everywhere We can find the podcast On every platform YouTube And all that stuff So Just at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace Just follow me on there That's it That's all I ask I have a Patreon But whatever I'm not in this for money But if you want to throw me Fucking three dollars a month Have at it You know It's patreon.com Slash the Brooklyn Blast Furnace That's about it But um Vince Thank you a
0: lot man. I appreciate you And I'm looking forward to what's going on. Thanks, man. Uh, Stay up to date. Keep me up to date on this. 100%. All right, later, brother. Later, brother.